This is the Gospel for Life, where we have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. Around the table today is Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring United Reformed Church, Vinnie Hanke from Valley Life Community Church, and Ryan Hemphill from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. To catch earlier broadcasts, just search The Gospel for Life wherever you subscribe. To find out more about this ministry and about our annual conference, go to ReformationBoise.com. Welcome back to The Gospel for Life. Once again, we are missing one of the regulars. Vinny is, is out of town for the week, and so in his place is... Matt from Sovereign Grace Fellowship, I have decided today, so I don't unduly offend him, not to say his last name, and I'll let him introduce himself with his last name so you get it right. All right. I'm Matt Masevich from Sovereign Grace Fellowship. Thanks for having me back. And Matt has been a guest in the past. He was with us yesterday, but he has graciously been willing to fill in over the years. Yeah. and Even when you butcher his name. Even when I butcher <laughs> his name. It's really great yes, yeah. yes. to have you with you. Good to have you, Matt. Thank you. Do you want to tell us just a little bit about Sovereign Grace for some of the listeners that might not be familiar with it? Sure. We're located uh, just south of downtown Nampa. We're a confessional Reformed Baptist church, and um, we have – our congregation is about, I would say, almost 100 years old, but it, it's gone through some huh? um, some evolution over the years, but we've planted the flag um, into the confessional Reformed faith, and, and that's where we've been for the past – several years and that's where we're planning on staying so off air we were talking and actually matt was talking we left off yesterday about taking the initiative when someone has sinned against you has wronged you in some way and we're dealing with this broad principle of principles of of restoration under the gently restore g of ken sandy's book um the peacemaker and Matt had just some wonderful insight that I think would be beneficial for you to hear on air that he shared off the air about this whole idea of taking the initiative. So, Matt, do you, are you willing to go yeah. there? Well, I, I just said you were going to, so right. me yeah. saying kind of on the hook right is now. not really yeah. probably. <laughs> and go. You butcher no. his name and then you put him on the hook. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I was just making the point um, off the air. I said, you know, the the first person who took initiation that was wrong was actually God himself for what we have in the garden is we have, of course, the original sin, the fall of Adam and Eve, where they disobeyed the express command of God not to eat of the fruit of the tree. And when sin entered the world, what were they doing in, in the garden? They were hiding. And in the cool of the evening, the Lord himself comes into the garden seeking those who have sinned against him and calling out, uh, Adam, where are you? And that is the first time that we see someone who has been sinned against seeking reconciliation. And it's really the first mention of grace, which leads later to the very first <coughs> promise of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. that's wonderful. Right? And, and that's true in all our relationship with God. And we love him because he's first loved us. He's yes. taken that initiative. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that that's a good thing to keep in mind, particularly when we've been wronged. Um, you know, we don't have to wait for them. I, you know, I know that I have done this. I've said more often than not, that's their problem, not mine. Mm-hmm. I can, 
you know, I can I, I can cross a room and speak with them and that, but oftentimes I'm saying it's still their problem, it's not mine. Yeah. And the fact is, and I think the example that Matt is giving helps with this, sometimes when we look at these situations where we know that we we really are not the offender in the moment, that sometimes we look at it and say, well, if I take the initiative, then I'm, I'm, I'm admitting that I was in, in the wrong, that I'm actually owning something that's not mine to own. Well, that doesn't necessarily have to be the case. In this case, with God in the garden, God is not owning and coming to Adam and Eve and saying, hey, this happened, but you know that, that was on me. Yeah. I'm sorry. I put the tree there. Um, <laughs> let me take responsibility for that. No, he took the initiative and still held them responsible for the situation. Mm-hmm. Now, we're not God, so it probably in our moments mm-hmm. of conflict, we probably did do something. Right. We might not be 100% guilty, but we probably aren't also 100% innocent. Yeah. Right. So and, own what you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and then if it's 5%, own 5. If it's yeah. uh, 20 or 30 or 40, you know, whatever it is, you own your part. That's right. And yesterday we were talking some about uh, how do you approach people, like in what spirit. And, you know, Matt, you mentioned, you know, the, the mention of God's grace and the proclamation of God's grace. And we see in the Lord's dealing with Adam and Eve, he doesn't come into the garden with guns blazing and in a fit of anger. He uh, comes graciously and mercifully. He knows what they did and he draws them out and treats them with love. Many, many shows ago, we talked about these peacemaking responses that, and if you remember, we talked about that we can drive on the road and these are actions of responding to conflict that are, are pleasing to God and then we can go off the edge of the road into two ditches. We can, and Jonathan summarized them as fight or flight. Um, we can either do escape responses or we can use attack responses. And one of the peacemaking um, responses that honors God is this idea that we can overlook an offense. It's actually taking a principle from Proverbs of a man's wisdom gives him patience. It is his glory to overlook an offense. And that actually should be initially one of the first things that we ask. Is this mm-hmm. issue so insignificant that I can just absorb it? I can I can overlook it. I, I don't need to, to bring it up again because it doesn't matter enough. But there are some offenses that are too serious to overlook. And um, Ken Sandy gives us four categories of those type of, of offenses, and so we're just going to pause a little bit and, and work through those uh, four categories of when an offense is not able to be overlooked. And the first one is, is it dishonoring God? And maybe just talk the listener through that, maybe give some examples of when that might be the case. Well, if, if you see your brother in a sin, I mean, it is your responsibility not to overlook the sin. You know, it is your responsibility to come alongside, to admonish, to correct, to instruct, to, you know, to help them see that that is sinful. And, you know, if you, if if they hear you, you've won your brother. So, I mean, obviously, you know, the first thing is, is this, is this person being sinful or am i just having a difference of opinion mm-hmm. now, you know that you know that's what it comes down to we can have differences of opinion and and uh, you know we can go into that later but i think that the first thing that you know with this uh, you know special consideration is is this sinful 
Mm-hmm. I have the opportunity of coaching track and field for Cole Valley, and we do not currently have our own facility, so we have to rent from a public school. And one of the conversations that I always have with our young people before the season is that we are guests at a public school. Mm-hmm. We are coming from a Christian school, and so we don't represent just yourself. You represent um, the school, but you represent Jesus Christ. And so there are moments when it might have been something I could have overlooked mm-hmm. that a young person did, but in certain moments like that where it now represents the school, represents Christ, then we have to deal with it. That's right. Because it, it, it's not just something where you can look at it and say, young person being dumb. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It's more of a young person representing Christ poorly to other kids that are there that are not from a Christian background. Well, you know, what's interesting is Scripture says that we are ambassadors of Christ. We are ambassadors of Christ. Not that we should be or we will be. It says that we are. Right. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're watching everything that we do. So in, in order to honor God, we have to keep that in mind. And this right. is why it's important that our practice matches what our proclamation is, you know, if, if people know that we are believers and Christians, then they will be looking at us in your work situation, your school situation. They'll be examining every little thing that you do and say, and making a judgment about God because of it. Right. They, they, the world out there is watching. And, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things that they'll tell you is there's a lot of hypocrites in church. Right. And so if there's something that's damaging that re- that reputation of Christ and the relationship of other believers, it is something that needs to be dealt with. And it might be it might be the gentle remark of your wife telling you you were kind of rude to that person. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know that might that might be the way it happens or you might be the one that is saying that to somebody else. Um and that's the correction that's needed in the moment. Yeah. The second category of whether something's too serious to overlook is, is it damaging your relationship? Mm-hmm. So what do we have for our listeners with this part? <coughs> James talks about the destruction of the tongue, you know, an unbridled tongue. It, it compares it to a spark that lights a whole forest on fire or a rudder that can turn a whole ship, you know, a million times the size of the rudder itself. And uh, sometimes what we see in relationships is careless words do great destruction. And if there's no repentance, no reconciliation, these things can just build up and um, cause incredible destruction. And sometimes we are literally cutting people down with our words. And we might be thinking, yeah, well, we're right, though, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm right. Mm-hmm. But you can be right, and you can also be loving. Right. So we need to be careful. A few episodes ago, we talked about the difference between overlooking an offense versus escape. And because there is a fine line between mm-hmm. the two. And one of the things we mentioned is if if it's something that keeps coming up, you haven't really overlooked it in a biblical way. You've just escaped, and you're bringing it back up when conflict then blows up and and if we just keep escaping things and we're not actually dealing with it then it's just going to fester and build up to where now as matt you mentioned yesterday that a a small offense then becomes something of a big 
offense that has to be dealt with. And some of it is just situational. So I can overlook something that somebody is doing with beside me on a plane because I know that in two hours we're going to walk away from each other and I'm never going to see them. (laughs) That's right. Unless you're traveling with your wife. I can overlook some sort of rude behavior or inappropriate Mm -hmm. behavior. But if I'm called to – I'm a young person and that's my roommate at college. If I'm in a work situation where every day I share an office with them, well, overlooking isn't going to be an option because long-term that's going to damage the relationship. Mm -hmm. And so at some level, then you're going to have to say, for the sake of the relationship, I'm going to have to deal with a behavior that might not be that significant in and of itself, but the repetition of it is eventually going to take a toll on our ability to to interact appropriately together. That's Mm -hmm. right. The third category is, is it hurting others? What might be a situation where this would be in play? You know, there are times when people are slanderous towards somebody or telling something that is true in a hurtful way. Um, Those those things can, you know, what is the benefit of communicating about somebody else? These things, those, those would be times in which you, if you're on the other side, you need to help correct that. If you're the one that's doing it, you need to recognize uh, your involvement in being the spreader of gossip. Those are, I can, I can see how that could hurt somebody. The, the, you know, I go back to Matthew chapter five, you know, where, t- you know, even where somebody is basically saying you fool about something that cuts deeper. You know, we used to say as children, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. But this is an area in which words hurt and needs correction and then the fourth category is that sometimes we can't overlook if it's hurting the offender sometimes you for their own safety for their own sake have to intervene and say you know what i'm going to say something because this is damaging to you well that's all the time we have for today we will see you tomorrow and thanks for listening